Welcome back to the Squats and Science Podcast, episode 23. I'm Coach Joe, and I'm joined with Coach Arian, and it's been uh, it's been a little while. How's it going? Yeah, it's been a little while, a few months of, uh, you know, just taking a break. And so we uh, figured we'd start up again and maybe call this season two, even though it's uh, episode 23. Yeah, this is officially season two, it's 2.0. Uh, kicking it off with this episode, but yeah, we, we took a hiatus. Um, we both had a lot going on, obviously pandemic complicates all kinds of things. Um, so what have you been up to since the last time we spoke? Yeah. Like, like you said, back in uh, November and December, it was just like, you know, yeah, being at home, doing whatever I can with my clients. And then we had a couple meets, one in Orlando that I did a coach, one of my lifters had his first competition. And then we had to take all the equipment over to Arkansas because the person who was supposed to bring the equipment from Tennessee to Arkansas for the meet was, wasn't able to come. So that Jesus. was a whole, yeah, a whole thing where I like basically couldn't do anything because all day we were driving from Florida to ten, to Arkansas, running the meet and driving all the way back. So yeah, kind of busy. And then what we had recently this past weekend was our, our boy and barbell Senator championship. So we usually do that meet in January. So we had that one, and we had a pretty easy, it was 26 lifters on Saturday, one session, got to wake up later, took like 10 a.m. to 2.30. And then, Sounds like uh, a dream. Yeah, Chris, like we should do this more often, like, you know, take <laughs> yeah. sl- slightly less lifters, wake up a little bit later. And then uh, Sunday we had 33 lifters, two sessions. So that was like, you know, the regular uh, 9 a.m. start. But since it was smaller sessions with lifters, it was like, you know, 9 to 12. Then we had a big break and then 2 to 5 and then we were done. We got, we got lucky. It was like good weather too. So we had the garage bay doors open and we had extra spectators outside. We try to limit the inside to those 25 spectators to just try and make things as safe as possible. And we did what we could. Let's, uh, let's backtrack real quick. So you, you drove to Arkansas. Did you rent a fucking truck or something and pack up and, all the equipment? And yeah, drive? So, what the so, fuck? So, so real quick. So what people will, will, will know what's going on is, Robert Keller and I are the state chairs of Florida. We run meets in Florida, um, but they're trying to develop other states and they want to develop Arkansas. And Robert Keller used to be stationed in Arkansas when he was in the military. He's like, oh yeah, I know the area. That's like my home and stuff like that. I'll, I'll help you guys out. I'll go run the meet in Arkansas for a few years to start it up. Right. So in 2019, we flew there and Chip Holquist from Tennessee brought all his equipment from Tennessee over because he's closer. He drove one day, brought it all over. We ran the meet, everything like that. And he drove back. So we were supposed to do that again in 2020. But what happened is Chip's family got uh, tested positive and he did, he tested negative. But since he was around them, he had to take care of them. He said, hey, guys, I can't come. I have to quarantine and take care of my family. We said, OK, that's fine. So what we had to do is bring a national referee from Louisiana to come up. And then Robert Keller and I had to put all his stuff in a, we rented a minivan because it's easier, you know, to drive a minivan and and better on gas than like getting a giant U-Haul box truck. So we got a minivan, stuffed everything in there. They had the, um, it was a, um, had like half a football field indoor stadium for their high school. So they have all the gym equipment there. They have all all these racks and bars and weights and everything. So we had to just bring the competition stuff. So, but think about trying to stuff a minivan with like, you know, (laughs) a, a combo rack a set of weights, a bar, <laughs> TVs, you know, the scoring lights, Dude, like oh our, our my clothes, God. like the, de- the deadlift jack. Like this thing was like completely stuffed in there. <laughs> it's and, a uh, far drive too, right? That's like it's a, a far drive. drive. So we wanted to do it in two days. So we tried to do like, you know, nine or ten hours the first day and then like five or six hours the second day because then Dude. when we got there, we had to set up the meet. 
and then the same thing back. And and Robert Keller's busy stuff with stuff too because he's the IPF secretary, so he's doing stuff with IPF at the end of the year to get prepared for the new year. So I drove the whole way. I drove every single mile oh from Orlando God. to Arkansas and back. That's fucking crazy. And then you ran the meet the whole time? Like you had to drive there and then run that meet? Yeah, so we drove – Thursday and Friday, we set up Friday afternoon. Didn't take that long because all the warm-up room was set up. We ran the meet on Saturday, and then we uh, packed everything up Saturday night, and then we drove back Sunday and Monday. And That's then, fucking crazy. Then that was to Orlando. So then on Tuesday, I had to drive from Orlando back home to Miami. Jesus Christ, dude. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Oh my God! You you deserve a medal for that one. <laughs> so, so that that was the end to my in my year, and the, and the plan for this year is again because this will be the third year, so hopefully this will be the last year we run it. And we can find other people, the state chair and stuff like that, can all come together and run it. So this will be the third year we run it. We haven't scheduled it yet. Maybe for the summer. Hopefully, we won't have to take everything there this time. Yeah. But now they also want to develop. Uh, I want to help develop Kentucky. So Rob's like, Aaron, what do you think about going to Kentucky? <laughs> Take a pass on that one. <laughs> so we gotta fi- we gotta figure out what kind of equipment and stuff they have in Kentucky. Maybe we can fly to that one as well. Dude, that's crazy. Just get a storage unit somewhere between Arkansas and Kentucky. Just put it all in one storage unit. Yeah. And just distribute it whenever you have the meets. Dude, that's crazy. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like because you know New York is strict um, with lockdown protocols, and beyond that, people here take it really seriously everybody wears a mask uh there's very few gyms that i know of that don't enforce mask policies um and I, i'm just wondering like what a meet post pandemic is looking like right now like it just blows my mind like i get it it can be done with some relative risk mitigation but it just blows my mind that like it's still possible to run a meet um and it, it is it possible to do it safely I, i'm genuinely curious yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, like, well, first, what you define safe, like how many cases or, or would you need to have for it to be like, okay, there's no longer safe. And then it would be like, well, how do you know? Like, I guess if like one person from a meat tested positive, how do you know they got out the meat and not somewhere else? If right. 20 people on a meat tested positive, then you'd be like, okay, it's highly likely it happened at the meat. But from what I've seen and heard so far is that hasn't happened at any powerlifting meet, even outside yeah. USAPL. I haven't heard people go and say like, oh my God, everyone at this USPA meet, everyone at this USAPL meet has tested positive. So I don't know if that's just luck or if like the things are actually working. Florida, obviously we are a lot more relaxed than New York. So the rules that we had at the meet are the USAPL rules and the rules that Chris and I want to have. Like we said, 25 spectators per session inside, um, even though we didn't have to. But then there's all the USAPL rules. Like everyone has to wear their mask the whole time, even when they're doing the lifts. And then at the end of each round, we were cleaning off all the bar and equipment and stuff like that. At the end of each session, we were cleaning off all the warm-up room equipment. Saturday was just one session. So like, you know, once everyone came in, everyone was there. On Sunday, since we had the two sessions, what we did is after awards and everything like that, I on the, on the microphone, I announced everyone like, hey, everyone, please, once you're done everything, take all your stuff and leave so we can reset up the warm-up room, reset up the spectators clean everything up and have the new people come in since there were spectators that wanted to come in for the afternoon session. So we try to like, you know, get everyone out of the building and then bring the new set of people in. Um, and it was just like, you know, staying on top of the people with the mask. Usually people keep the mask on. They try and like pull it down where their nose is sticking out and yeah. sure that might be safer than not having it on. Uh, but I still would go up to them and say like, Hey, please put your mask up and everything like that. And just stay on top of people. Cause like 
if you just let them like do that, then they'll do the next thing and then they'll do the next thing. So I have to yeah. keep going and, and telling people like, hey, please follow the rules or we'll have to remove you from the competition. Yeah, that was my other question is if, if like people are adhering to the mask protocol at the meet because even at the gym here, even in New York where people you know, take it seriously and we have strict protocols, we still have to tell members all the time, like pull it up over your nose, pull it up over your nose. Like we ha- it just, you know, it's probably just because they don't realize it or it just falls down when they're doing something. But like, I can't even imagine at a meet where like, we know these people here, like we're familiar with them. It's very easy to, to tell them to do something, but like, I don't know, just, I feel like it would be a lot more difficult. Yeah. You just have to stay on top of people. I mean, it's hard. Like when you're a referee, like you're the chief referee, you're back to the audience. So like, how do you keep track of the audience? So our right. referees kind of like see more as the lifter when they come out, like the early on in Florida, there may be like a couple lifters that would have their mask down while they're like chalking up their hand. And then as they're walking to a platform, pull it up. And so like our chief referee, Tony, he, he doesn't play around with it. He pulled him over to the side and he had to talk with them and, and said like, Hey, if you, if I see this one more time, like you're out of here. And it was one time at a meet that I was announcing uh, a couple months ago and there was a coach on one side that was two platform meet on one side. And I told him like, Hey, you have to have your mask up. And within a minute or two, he had his mask like down a little bit again, talking to his lifter. So Tony saw it and he goes, don't worry, I got this. And he went over there and he talked to him and said like, if I have to come back here and talk to any of you guys, once again, all you guys are, are getting kicked out of here. And so they didn't do it again. So That's awesome. it's, it's just little things like that. of everyone like staying on top of each other of what, what you can see and what you can see. And then someone has to, someone has to be the bad guy and has to like go and say like, listen, none, none of this anymore. Like if you do it again, we are removing you. Um, there was a meet that I wasn't at, but there was a spectator, uh, a grandma that was there for a collegiate kid that didn't want to put a mask on. She said she had a note from her doctor and everything like that. So they told her like, you couldn't, you can't be there. And she like left and the, the, it was at a gym and they tried, the gym tried to offer her a refund for the spectator fee. Cause they were getting it. She's like, Oh, I don't want your refund. And she left. Oh my God, dude. So crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, it so, sounds like, it sounds like overall it's, it's actually been pretty like, good with adherence with that stuff i mean especially because you're in florida and people are used to like you know like a low um just it's not that it's not that strict right so it's just interesting that a lot of those people that that are doing that point and meet probably train in gyms where there's no mask enforcement and then they have to go to this meet where it's one it's it's a safety protocol two it's also usapl rule and now you're trying to enforce this on them and some people you know it's become politicized and like people have their opinions about it and all this shit and it's just it just creates this weird in my mind it would create this weird tension but it it seems like it's not that big of a deal i guess yeah yeah, i mean the big thing is like just making sure they know beforehand like I mean, like USAPL has put out in the emails, they put out Instagram posts, Facebook, I put in Instagram, I put in multiple emails, like when lifters signed up, like the first email I sent out was like a welcome email. The second email I sent out was COVID guidelines. This is what you have to do. I suggest you already start training with the mask on so you're prepared for the competition. And even like, you know, leading up, we did Instagram posts, we had signs, everything like that. So no one can be like, oh, I didn't know. It's like you got attacked from multiple different directions about this. So you should be yeah. planning and preparing for it. So at least people knew. And, and then I told them too, like, if you're bringing a spectator, they have to do the health questionnaire form and they have to have a mask. If they don't want to do it, if they do not agree with it, tell them to not come. So that's, like, <laughs> that's like the big thing is like trying to get them up front. Like, if, like, we're not going to fight you on it. If you don't want to do it, do not come. Do not invite them. <laughs> it's fucking insane that that even has to be like you have to like 
preempt that. Like, it's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, so, so for, for the most part, it seems like around the country, because people know in advance, people are training for it and things like that, that they're doing a good job. It's just some people think that, like, oh, I, I'll go to me and I won't listen. They won't say anything or, or I'll just fight them on it. And so I've heard that have been some issues. Um, one was in Florida. Like I said, that one, I think maybe there was another one that I wasn't at. Um, there was like one issue, I think, in Texas. There was the whole Sean Noriega thing up in uh, New Hampshire, wherever it was, stuff like that. But you got to think there was like, you know, there were still thousands of lifters that competed last year and there's only those few issues. Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty good. I, I'm actually curious. I didn't really think about this, but if like the data on like, like if anyone has been tested positive after a meet, obviously it's almost impossible to <clears throat> to trace that, but it would just be interesting yeah. to know. Yeah, like it would have to be like some lifter that's like, you know, a big time lifter that you know, and you're like, oh, they just did this meet and now they're posting online that they're they're positive. Or they would have to inform USAPR, the meet director, which now they, they have the health form and on the health form, everyone has to put their email and their phone number. So if there is some kind of big thing like, oh, like, you know, 30 people at Boyan tested positive, they can just go and email everyone and say, hey, if you're, if you're at the meet this day or this session, people tested positive. So that way they can contact everyone. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's good that they're doing the contact tracing and have protocols for that. Um, so we have our meet planned um, for the spring, a little bit later than we normally do. Um, you're you're not flying up for it. We're kind of well. Sh- Shane and Gabby are, are meet directing it, and I'm, I'm helping out, and Tommy's helping out. But um, it's it's going to be a, a private meet, so only SNS members. And then if there's space, maybe a couple friends like close friends that want to compete uh no spectators one new york is just it's a lot more difficult to do that and two our our gym capacity is is only 30 people (laughs) so it's just it's impossible with refs and and uh athletes and coaches even though i'm probably going to be the only coach and me and shane will be the only coaches coaching anybody maybe sean collins because we have a couple members of his um so yeah i don't know we we just set all this up and um I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it how it plays out um all of our members are excited for it uh everyone doesn't have a problem nobody has a problem with the mask or anything like that but um yeah big difference than what we what we normally do <laughs> yeah but i mean for what i'm hearing if it's shane sean and you being the only coaches it sounds like everyone's gonna make all their attempts and hit prs yeah, always. This will be the first meet where every single lifter goes nine for nine, and PR is all their lifts. Mark my words, guarantee. That's a lot, lot of pressure on you. If anybody misses a lift, they're off the team and they're banned from the gym. Just but, put it out there. But but it's definitely better to uh, to plan and prepare that way. Um, for example, there was a meet in Virginia. I don't know if you heard about it, where it was a two session meet, and they they had all the protocols in place and everything like that. And they did the first morning session fine. And then the afternoon session, everyone weighed in and they were like ready to go. And someone from the health department, I guess, showed up and said, oh, you have to clear out this place in 15 minutes or pulling the business license or whatever of the gym. So the meet director in the gym like freaked out like, oh, shit, like everyone's got to leave. So everyone left. And as everyone was packing up and leaving, the meat director was talking to the guy and saying like, hey, we're following these protocols from national organization. We have all this in place. We don't have spectators, this and that. And I guess then at that point, the guy may realize like, oh, it's not an issue. Or maybe it was a misunderstanding or something like that. He's like, okay, you guys can run your event. It's like, what? well, Holy everyone, shit. everyone's gone at this point. Yeah. So 
So they didn't. They end up not doing the event because everyone was gone. There was a, a group of people, like whatever, ten people that stuck around to just do a mock meet since they had already prepared for it. So they yeah. did the they did the mock meet with the referees and the spars and everyone in place, and they talked to USAPL and USAPL like accepted those results because it was like you know they weighed in, it was under sanction, everything like that. So those people got in, but yeah, you don't want something like that to happen in New York where like you know you bring spectators and halfway through someone shows up and says, okay, you have to shut this down. Yeah, we definitely are not going to play around with that. And like I said, our capacity's not it's big enough where we can host a small private beep but that's it like we can't we can't really do anything else other than that but who knows i mean it's it's may 1st um protocols might change by then um people are getting vaccinated new york isn't the fastest with the vaccination rollout but you know it's rolling along and and um i don't know maybe maybe it'll change by then but i can't i don't foresee it being like a normal meet here until probably 2022 um, yeah. it's just the way it is, but it, the other, that brings up another question. Another thing that I want to talk about is, <laughs> is nationals. So originally we were going to do, we were going to do our meet in March. Uh, all of my athletes, every single one of them said they weren't going to do it unless it was in April or May. So I asked Gabby and Shane, if we can move the sanction, we got a sanction for May 1st, literally two days after we got the sanction for May 1st, they announced the nationals nationals are in June. So it's like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Like nobody's nobody that's going to go to nationals is going to do that meet. But also I don't think any of my athletes that are qualified for nationals are going to go to Florida in June <laughs> and compete at a national event. Um, I'm really interested. Uh, you probably have some, some takes on this or, or, or just some thoughts on it, but it seems to me that's like really preemptive, like June, is pretty ambitious to hold a national meet where people are going to be flying from all over the country. Uh, this isn't throwing shade at anybody, but almost every fucking powerlifting gym in this country, people don't wear masks. So then you have all of these people who are potentially exposed all the time flying to Florida. It just seems, it seems early to me. Um, personally, I'm like, you know, unless something changes significantly, like I'm not, I wouldn't be comfortable going to that meet. Um, you might have to coach Tevin for me because I think he's going. He's gonna go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It just. It just seems. It just seems pre premature. Um, I don't know if you have any opinions on that or not. Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we weren't there part of the conversation, so I don't know exactly what they were trying to plan. But what what I what I saw it as like when I was looking at the calendar and figuring out okay, where are the options is like the two options I saw it is. If you want to make it a bigger meet, like how it was previously or maybe close to it, you have to push as far back into the year as possible. Push it back right. to October, November, hope for the best, and maybe yeah. you have to pull back if you have to. But if yeah. you want to get a Nationals done before Worlds, which is end of September, early October, then you have to have it sometime in the summer because you need the time to build a team. So you, then you have to then do it small because you can't do 1,000 lifters in a room in, in June. So that's what the end of looks like they end up doing is they're going to do it in June but it's only two platforms. So then you're, and if they keep their own rules that they have for us right now, which is 28 lifters per session with two platforms, you have 56 lifters per session. So you only have, you know, 112 lifters. So that, so we'll see how they're going to decide who gets those spots, how they're going to open it up and stuff like that. So some of the people for both of our, our, our clients that maybe qual hit the qualifying total, they may not be able to get in anyway. So they have no choice but to like, you know, do the, the private meet in May or maybe do some other meet. So we'll see how things go as information comes out. But yeah, I mean, 
we'll see how many people feel comfortable. Like you don't feel comfortable flying. I know another coach who says he's not going to go. I have a lifter who says they they may or may not go because they don't feel comfortable getting on an airplane. So we'll see how many people actually will, will want to go. Um, and then, I mean, I guess it doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference where you're coming from if it's the same protocols. Like our boy and me, it was the same protocols possibly that would be at nationals. And maybe they'll do more nationals. Maybe they'll do a temperature check as well. And maybe right. they'll have more space if they want to like, you know, rent out more of the convention center and maybe have like, you know, one platform in one room and one platform in the other room. And the coaches just got to run back and forth. Um, yeah. So we'll see as they put out more information what they do. But it, it, it should be as safe or safer than a local meet. So regardless of where you come from, everyone has to have the mask. Everything has to be done uh, the same. Um, so I don't know how much more risk it is other than it's just more people. Um, the biggest yeah. meet they had last year, I think the two biggest ones were Collegiate Nationals is around 115. And then the New Jersey State Championships is around 118. Uh, our Florida State Championships is like 109. So we'll see going from like that 100 lifters, how much going up to like, you know, 200 lifters, um, how they can pull it off. Yeah, it's crazy because this kind of forces, I think a lot of people are probably happy that they're doing this because I know a lot of people are of the opinion that nationals should be like a top 20 only meet, which is probably what it would end up being something like that. Top 20, top 30 or something like that. Um, some in a, in a, in a, in concert, or is it a, uh, uh, what, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word, but like just as a consequence of it, it, um, it creates like maybe a more competitive meter or, or like a, true nationals i guess i don't know whatever you would want to call it i'm also it blows my mind that that there's still a potential that worlds will happen at the end of the year dude americans are fucking banned from everywhere <laughs> we can't go anywhere they would have to have it in america like or some yeah. country that just has like fucking no travel ban like where the hell is Listen, the, the place that Classic Worlds is, it will be, they're going to let the U.S. in. I don't know about the other World Championships. Uh, for, for those that don't know, like last year all the Worlds got canceled. So they just gave it to those same meet directors in the same locations for this year. So it's supposed to be in Minsk, Belarus. Uh, I mean, there was already issues previously where people were like, oh, I don't want to go to Belarus. It's dangerous. Like so, someone fucking got, civil, you know. civil conflict. <laughs> Yeah, and, it, and it's like, okay, on top of all the issues people had last time with, like, you know, someone apparently getting thrown out of a window, and, and then there was oh, also... Oh, that, oh, that thing. Yeah, and also, like, you know, they say that all oh, people were racist there, and now you have, yeah, you have a, the pandemic on top of it, and you have the civil war on top of it. It seems like this civil war is not going to be ending anytime soon, so I, I wonder how long they're going to wait it out and see, okay, let's give it a chance, let's give it a chance, and at some point they have to say, okay, we need to move this somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh my god, that's a wild, that's a wild ride. <laughs> and, and then there's the uh, interesting note that uh, Bill McCarthy brought up to me when they announced all the nationals is okay. This year, nationals is in June, and then Worlds is in end of September, early October. But for next year, it's the Worlds is planned to go back on its regular schedule of June in yeah. the summer. So then yeah. what do you do at nationals? Do you now move nationals another time, and you do nationals like in March now? But you also have the Arnold in March. And so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they're going to do that or maybe maybe they don't get to do enough nationals before Worlds next year and they have to pick from this team, from this year again for this year and next year. Like who knows what's going to happen. It's like it's a whole mess. That's crazy. Could they potentially – if they skip the nationals, could they pick – they could pick a team based off of like 
highest totals from local meets, right? Like you don't have I'm, to have a nationals. I mean, technically we can pick a team however we want. We just, you know, the executive committee can just approve on whatever they feel is the best. So yeah, they could do it like, you know, based on this year's nationals, they could do it based on, yeah, just, uh, any total in a certain time period. Um, which, I mean, some of our national teams, they do off of multiple meets. Like for the equipped juniors, you can do collegiate nationals or you can do, you know, the equipped nationals. So there's multiple times to select. And I know there's other sports like in weightlifting. There's multiple events that you can go through the process to try and qualify. So it could be a similar thing if they have to for us and say, hey, there's no nationals. We'll pick it off of like, you know, last year's nationals or any local meets up to this point or regionals if they do it. They should just do it how every USAPL junior would do it. Which is just based off of Instagram. <laughs> what, what was your RPA on Instagram? <laughs> just find put, the. <laughs> yeah, just scroll yeah, Instagram, find the. Team. You have to put your weight class in your bio. <laughs> that's it. That's how you get the team. It's done. I, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, and, 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 and real quick, just to go over the the national schedule, people can go on usapop.com and see it, but like. The way it's worded, some people are still confused. People are asking me, like, hey, can juniors compete at this meet? Hey, can teens compete at this meet? And, and the, the way I try to tell people to think about it now going forward, for it's going to be like the, the IPF is going towards that and maybe USAP will go that. It is by, it's by your age division now. So there's no raw nationals and then equipped nationals and then, like, junior nationals or whatever or collegiate nationals. It's by your age division. So, like, all the juniors are together in one meet. All the teens are together in one meet. And then all the masters and open are together in one meet. So... If you are a teen lifter, you go to high school nationals, and it's high school nationals plus teen nationals, raw and equipped. If you are a junior, you go to collegiate nationals. It's collegiate nationals and junior nationals, raw and equipped. And then the one in Florida, Daytona Beach, is the master's nationals, raw and equipped, and the open nationals, raw and equipped. Then the only other two that are thrown on to Florida, I guess, because they're just going to be smaller and they can throw it on there, is the youth nationals, which is only raw. That will be on there maybe with just one session or something. And then the bench nationals, all age divisions, because bench nationals are usually pretty small, uh, one or two days. So that when people see that June 14th or 19th, that is all those events. So, you know, raw nationals, raw open nationals, let's say, will be one day. Equipped open nationals will be one day. And then raw masters nationals will be one day. Equipped masters nationals will be one day. Maybe bench nationals will be one day and youth will fit somewhere in there. So. Like we said, it's going to be limited. It's not going to be 1,000 lifters. Like you said, it's going to be more like what people think it should be is like prime time lifters. So like the raw open national will just be like, you know, that top 10 or maybe top 15, whoever would make the prime time. If you're a junior or teen, you can enter in, but you have to enter in in the open and compete against the other open lifters. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is if you're – what if there's a competitive junior you who want, is competitive in the open, you would have to – you just have to yeah. do the open nationals, right? Yeah, so we'll see what everyone's strategy is and stuff, but it seems like, yeah, maybe if you're if you're a top teen or junior lifter, you just go do the Open because that's the last meet of the year, so you can compete in the Open and juniors for that Nationals and make that National team, and also it gives you more time. Like, rather than having to go and just do April right away, you just found out about it, you can just yeah. wait till, till June. So, yeah, some of those top junior lifters might just do the Raw Open Nationals in June. What if, um? so here here's a question, what if there's what if there's a junior athlete who competes in the open doesn't make the team, but has a junior total to make the junior team, but didn't compete in the junior nationals. Could they, they still pick that person for the. Yeah. As far, 
Yeah, as far as where, what it says here for national team selection, it says if you want to be on the open team, you have to compete in the open division. So that's like no option there. But yeah, if it says if you're a teen, junior, or master, and you compete in the open division, then you'll be ranked in those sub-junior, junior, and master categories. So they're going to pull in all that. So that's what they've done before on the equip side. Like I said, you could do collegiate nationals, bomb out, go do equip nationals, and still make the junior team. So now you could, if you want, go do collegiate nationals and go do raw open nationals, or you can mm. just wait it, wait it out. Go wait until June, do the raw open nationals and be ranked in the open and juniors. Oh, that's interesting. Huh? So you think this is like going to be a permanent change going forward? Like every year they're just going to do this. We'll, we'll see, but it seems like um, it might be one of the better options because that's what the IPF is doing. So the IPF already pulled the Masters Worlds into its own meet. So Masters Worlds is in South Africa, and then Sub-Junior and Junior and Open are in um, Belarus. And then they're going to be splitting off the Sub-Juniors and Juniors in a, in a year or two anyways. So if they're going to be moving their schedule like that, then it might be better for us to also move our schedule like that and have enough time before each of those World Championships to have that Nationals. Huh. Interesting. Well, so definitely. For example, would be, it would... So, for example, for 2022, right now, it lists that it's just going to be classic open worlds in South Africa. And then the classic and equipped sub junior and juniors will be its own meet in Ecuador. And then the classic and equipped masters will be its own meet in Canada. The only so they've already that's... done that for, for the equipped lifters? They've already, that... split, they've already split them all up for the equipped competitions? Yeah, so so for 2021, the one that split off, the age division that split off is already the Masters. And then yeah. for 2022, the sub-juniors and juniors will be split off too. So all the sub-juniors and juniors will be one meet, raw and equipped. All the Masters will be one meet, raw and equipped. The oh, only thing that for now it's going to be split, maybe they'll keep it that way because it's the premier one is the open. So raw open worlds and raw uh, and equipped open worlds will be their separate meet for now um, maybe just because you know that's going to get the most entries some people do crossovers maybe one day they'll end up comp uh, combining the open as well we'll see huh interesting so that's it might cool. make sense to just you know keep the high school and teen nationals together and keep the junior and collegiate nationals together and then you can build your sub junior and junior team right off of that yeah so, yeah, so that kind of forces USAPL to change some of the timeline then, because if they break up the junior and sub junior into a sub into their own worlds and it's too close to USAPL nationals and it kind of fucks people over a little bit. Yeah, because like we'll see how they, if they move the months. They're always changing up the schedule, but like the idea before the whole pandemic and stuff like that was that the the raw open worlds would be in the summer in June. And then the masters that got pulled off, the raw and equipped masters that pulled off for their worlds would be later in a year, like October. So like, yeah. how can we have our raw nationals all combined in October and then try and build that masters team and the open team from that it's same impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. Oh, big changes. <laughs> um, anything else you want to talk about? I mean, the... the as far as USAPL stuff, IPF stuff, I mean, we covered everything. We covered the meets and stuff like that. Um, oh, the gym. Want, we forgot, forgot to talk about the gym, right? Yeah, if you want to mention the gym, the only thing I was going to say when you were talking about running the private SNS meet is that it's a little bit better now at the new location because it's easier to go in and out of the building. Like what we had in Boynton is that it's all one floor. It's easier for people to just like go out the bay doors, go out to the parking lot, away from people if they want to, like, you know, take their mask off, eat some food or something like that, rather yeah. than being stuck in the gym trying to like, you know, eat and drink and everything like that around people with their mask off. So if you want to tell them the, the new setup for the gym real quick. 
Yeah, so we part of the reason why we put the podcast on hiatus is because we um, we had to move the original SNS location. Um, this is actually completely outside of COVID um, for reasons that had nothing to do with COVID, and it kind of worked in our favor because we were able to get a really sweet space that we probably wouldn't have gotten otherwise, um, just because of the market and how COVID changes things. But the new gym is significantly bigger than than uh the old one is also on the on the ground floor in an industrial park area so no carrying weights up and down flights of stairs um and it's kind of like um i don't know if you're familiar with a railroad apartment but it just goes straight back it's like a big warehouse um and we designed it when when Jordan and Tommy and I sat down and kind of thought out the space. We designed it with a meet in mind to make it as optimal, to be converted as easily as possible to have a meet there. Um, so it, it definitely will be a way more comfortable space. Um, the only thing that I'm a little iffy about is just how the warm-up room will operate, I think. With this small meet, it should be no problem. Uh, it'll be really easy to manage. But if we ever do go back to like a full-size meet, which assuming we will in a year or so, um, it might be a little bit – we might have to do some maneuvering. Um, but overall, I think it's a way more comfortable space. We got to – this is our first space on our own. So we don't sublease or share it with a CrossFit gym. Um, so we built it. We built it how we would want to build a gym. We also had more space. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this first meet will kind of be like a tester, see how it goes. But I'm really excited. Um, I think everyone's going to have a really good time. And there's a big um, – it's on kind of a weird street. And on the weekend, it's like all like um, – it's all businesses around us. There's no residential. So on the weekend, it's, it's like totally dead. Like today, like during the week, it sucks for parking. It's really busy. But literally, you come here on Saturday, and it's like a, it's a fucking ghost town. <laughs> so you could go outside. You have tons of room to just kind of hang out and spread out. Um, we have a second floor up here. There's a, just a lot of space. I, I think it'll it'll be way more comfortable for for everyone involved. You and I don't have to carry shit up a flight of stairs <laughs> after running a meet for twelve hours or whatever the hell it is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun, and um, this is kind of a, a nice way for us to christen it, to like kick it off, and 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 um, have a, a safe meet for for our athletes. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be a, a interesting setup. Um, just like yeah, being on being on our own, not having to deal with the CrossFit and everything like that. Um, and uh, I was gonna say, how far away is it from the old Williamsburg location? Um, so if you're driving and there's no traffic, it's like a seven minute drive. Um, it's off of a, it's really close to an L train, which a lot is like the busiest train, you know, under normal circumstances is the busiest train in New York. Um, so it's a little bit easier to get to. There's way more parking on the weekend. You can park very easily. Um, it's also close to Bushwick, but New York is weird in the way that like, even though it's close to that gym like we get two totally different groups of people because they're on different trains nobody like very few people drive in new york so you know that's off the j train still so we still have a gym that exists off of the j train um but now we have a gym off the l train so it just it it just attracts a different crowd um i had two of my athletes i had maddie and and 
well, Hannah Jenny lived a block away, mm-hmm. and then Maddie, Maddie moved in with Hannah just because <laughs> because of how close it was to the gym. They literally live like it's like a one minute walk from the gym. It's kind of crazy. That that's like uh, Shane and Gabby live like upstairs from the other yeah, location. Yeah, they literally live upstairs from the other gym. <laughs> you can just walk downstairs to go to it. But, that's but good yeah, that, that's... It, yeah, it, it, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's good that it's closer to the train stop because uh, I'm just so used to like you know coming on the J train and then you have to still walk a mile to like get to Williamsburg in the yeah. cold. I don't got like any gloves or any kind of cold. Yeah, equipment. no, no, no more of that. You can literally it's like a I think it's a five five or six minute walk from the L to this to this gym. Um, so yeah, we'll see in 2022 when we host the real meet. But um, it'll be it'll be it'll be good to test it out. You know, kind of. Just dip our feet in, see how it goes. Yeah. And then we'll fly you up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens going forward next year. Um, and I guess just the, the last thing to finish up, since we were trying to keep this one shorter, is just like like we said, we're starting back up. You can call it season two. We're going to try and do every other week. Um, we have some topics in mind, but I, I guess like a call to action to everyone, which we'll also put in the post, is just like let us know. You can comment on your Instagram post. You can always email us. Let us know what kind of topics you want to talk We want you want us to talk about if it's like technique stuff programming meat directing running a gym whatever it is let us know and any people that you want us to uh, bring on an interview and stuff like that like maybe we can bring jordan on again and maybe talk about the latest in rep one if you want to hear about philosophy based training yeah yeah i don't want jordan on again but yeah <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh yeah let us know we're we're interested um we're starting fresh and we'd like to see what people have to say about it I think that pretty much sums it up and we'll talk to you guys soon and uh, make it nice. Thank you.